0: You're listening to the Sewing and Grown podcast and radio show with J&J. Hello, everybody. We're here. <laughs> we talked at the same time, but he yeah. said glory, so it we're going to allow it. That's a great thing to say.
1: I think we talked about that was it last week. Can't remember. Talking about Maranatha, what? Maranatha, glory. It Paziria. was recently. It was fairly recently. I don't think it was last week. Yeah.
0: But we're warming this podcast up, and we're warming the room that we are actually doing the podcast up. 64
1: degrees. Because it's chilly
0: up here. This room doesn't get regularly used, so we don't regularly pump heat to this room. So we're a little chilly, but our hearts are warm because it is Christmas week, and we wanted to talk about Christmas. It's exciting. I think for most everyone, if you were to ask them what their favorite holiday is, it's going to be Christmas. Arbor Day. Arbor Day. No. Flag Day.
1: Flag Day, Columbus. Nope, that's a touchy subject. Hey, I got a question for you. On a Go scale of one to 10, how much relief did you experience once we turned on all the Christmas lights? Uh, Was it a big, give me an example of the sigh of relief you may have done.
0: There's a moment that happens before the Christmas lights where the relief really sets in, and that's when you do a walkthrough with the pastors. So before they get turned on for everyone, Pastor Mark and Tasha come by and do change orders or this looks great, maybe adjust this. That's when the real relief comes after they've done their drive-through and you know, just the slight adjustments that need to be made. And they were gracious. We didn't have to change much. That's where the relief hit. It's great. And it's also just awesome to hear all the people say how much they like the light. So
1: those of you who don't know, John's like pretty much the front man in charge of getting all the lights up this, for Christmas. This
0: year, I was given the scepter to uh, not go into the temple,
1: but to accomplish
0: <laughs> the lights. We had a remodel that's going on in a couple of weeks. If you listen to this podcast just when it drops, the new nursery is going to be opening. Yeah. It is. A couple, not the first week of January. Right. But this podcast drops before that. Said so in a couple of weeks. Oh, yes. I Correct. believe that's what I said.
1: You have the scepter. Keep going.
0: So he was doing that remodel project and I was taking care of the lights. My uh, right-hand man, camarado Todd Manzanares, really helped. So shout Compadre. out to him. Compadre, yes. All right. Let's uh, talk about Christmas and the Christmas story. You're either going to read it in Matthew or Luke. You're not going to read it in Ephesians because it's not in Ephesians that Paul didn't take it upon himself to speak. You're not going to read it in Mark
1: because he doesn't care about it.
0: Mark or John. Yeah. So I was wondering, what am I going to talk about? Because I wanted to talk about some of the variations between Matthew and Luke. So I'm calling it A Tale of Two Christmases. Kind of a play on words from A Tale of Two Cities which is that Dickens, I think it's Dickens who wrote that. It sounds Um, correct. Again, this isn't about Charles Dickens. This is about the Lord Jesus Christ being born in the Christmas season. (laughs) And here's the interesting thing. They're actually drastically different. Matthew and Luke tell different aspects of the same story. And some people find that really problematic because if the Holy Spirit's writing these works... And there wasn't an instance, and all of the different things that happened seem very important. Why aren't they exactly the same? Or why aren't they very nearly the same? But I learned this, and I didn't realize this until I was out of high school. But in the court of law, if there's testimony, you don't want them to be exactly the same. Hmm. For example, if Pastor Jonathan and myself were going to rob a Dollar General, and I said, hey, man, we got to have our alibis just right. We rolled up in an orange Toyota Tundra. I had a gun. You did not have a gun. Say it after me. Orange.
1: Orange Toyota Tundra. You had a gun. I did not.
0: Okay. When they get us, man, if they do, <laughs> that's what we're going to say. That actually, this might not be the right word, collusion, working together. Now, when there are d- key points that are in both stories, but then there's variation between the in the two that doesn't speak directly that the other person was telling a lie. That's actually more credible. And that's what we have in Matthew and Luke. So Luke, so don't be discouraged when you read that. It's actually... So,
1: go ahead. No, what were you saying? Subtle? Well, yeah, but I was going to say, if you were like in taking the witness stand and be like, yeah, we pulled up 759, we were in an orange tundra. And then mine was like, we rolled in, I don't know, like eight or something in the car. Exactly. Car.
0: What kind of car?
1: An orange tundra.
0: A chartreuse... Nissan Pathfinder. Oh man, it's over. <laughs>
1: Dude, it's over. You're going to jail. But that's not what we're
0: dealing with. And we digress, <laughs> talking about robbing okay, a dollar general around Christmas. You don't want to do that. Matthew and Luke, it was interesting looking at when people are looking at historic or credibility of both of these books. It's obvious that they didn't work together on writing it, but it almost seems like they had to have because there are some parts that are so similar, but then there's parts that are completely different. Not that they clash, but they just aren't included. So it's really cool because it's obvious that they both knew the facts, but they wanted to include different things. Now, what's the difference between the two? Well, Matthew really wanted to emphasize that Jesus was king. And that he was actually a threat right away. And he was king and all the things that come along with king. So when you look at that, Matthew starts off with Herod's panic. Herod's freaking out. The magi come up and say, hey, there's the king of the Jews. And he's like, wait, I'm the what? king of the Jews. Uh, that's not good. And then the wise men, they're giving gifts. Yeah. Neither of those are in Luke. Nope. And then it has the massacre of all the... Infants in Bethlehem, that's not in Luke either. And then Matthew talks about the fight to Egypt. Luke was written to a younger audience. Well, Luke really wanted to (laughs) emphasize the humility of Jesus. And we go, well, was Jesus king or was he also humble? Which one was he? He
1: Both. Meek and lowly of heart. Yet, he had a scepter.
0: Yeah, he's the lion and And he's the lamb. lamb. He's transcendent. Pastor Mark's been talking about that. It's really big. So what does Luke talk about? Well, Luke... Mention Caesar's decree instead of Herod's panic that actually this is a family that has to pay taxes. They have to go to pay taxes instead of the wise men. It's the shepherds. Mm. And then instead of the massacre of Bethlehem's infants, he talks about Jesus going to the temple and being presented to Simeon. And what is her name on the spot? I'm glad you thought I, would I thought know. it was Simeon.
1: That makes me feel good. That's
0: not good for connection. I learned this. Never ask a question of an audience. If you think the audience probably doesn't know the question, only ask people questions when you're presenting something, when you're confident, they know the uh, answer. I'm sorry. I can tell you. Right. I got, man. In
1: and don't know.
0: I know there's people listening to this podcast right now that, that know. probably know. props to you. Give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. And then lastly, instead of the flight to Egypt, it really talks about Jesus's early years in Nazareth. And let's look at a few more things that separate the difference between what Matthew was trying to communicate and what Luke was trying to communicate. First off, Matthew, when he talks about a genealogy, focuses on the kings that Luke. Jesus Luke. is in line with. Luke mentions the priestly genealogy. Okay. And then there's a the difference between uh, Matthew starts off right with the genealogy, which is the tough part. If you're going to read the Bible, a good recommended place to start is John. That's not just because my name is John. John (laughs) had a special relationship with the Lord. And that comes through in his writing because he leaned on Jesus's breast, which is kind of a weird topic. When I was a kid reading that, I'm like, it's kind of strange. Why couldn't
1: you just say chess? Pecs.
0: <laughs> but he had that type of relationship and it comes through. But when you start reading the Bible or start in the New Testament, a lot of people start with the genealogy. And that's exactly what Matthew starts off with. But Luke starts off talking about a little known priestly couple, which is John the Baptist's parents. parents his cousin. Exactly. So again, more humble. And then the focus of Matthew is Bethlehem. Bethlehem is the city of David. Again, a kingly line. Luke, the focus is Nazareth. Is there anything good that can come out of Nazareth? (laughs) Ah, that's in the Bible. That's where I got that statement. And in Matthew, Jesus is a king from birth. But in Luke, it talks about when he's 30 and how from 12 to this age, he grew in wisdom, favor, and stature of his man. Skips all that. Seems like he's a slow
1: starter. Yeah. And Mark, he skips all that. It's just like and he's baptized, and let's go. (laughs) Right?
0: And then John does this really deep analogy between the beginning of Genesis and the Word and the Logos. I'm like, whoa. Matthew focuses on the kingdom. Luke focuses on the temple. But what I really want to focus on, because this was cool, and this is something I didn't really know, and then you can draw some things from uh, the Christmas story that maybe will be interesting to people. Let's look at, Matthew when he goes through the genealogy he actually omits three kings. Ooh. And the reason is is that there's an emphasis that wants to be drawn out and it's really cool how it all comes together. So I'm going to read this. It says, "Why does Matthew omit these three kings?" Part of the answer, I suggest is to draw our attention to a notable sequence of events which transpired in their days. The accession of Ahaziah was a notable event in and of itself, since Ahaziah was the son of Jehoram and Athaliah, and Athaliah was a daughter of the recently cursed Ahab, you know Ahab Ooh, and Jezebel. Yeah, Ahab. yep not no,
1: good. Not Captain Ahab.
0: Ooh that's another literary book that nope. has great esteem.
1: Yeah. It, yes, it does. Moby Dick. Moby Dick. But we're not talking about Moby
0: Dick. But we're Dick. not talking about Moby Dick. Back to Ahaziah. <laughs> and then if, if with all these difficult names, if you take any detour, you pretty much forget everything that was just Ah-haziah. mentioned. Ahaziah. Ahaziah thus represented an unwelcome injection of foreign blood and behavior into David's line. Because you have Judah, and then you have Israel. Ahab was the king of Israel, but now there's a crossover mm. into Judah. The reference to Ahab in, it mentions where, in this section of literature, and a year later, an even more notable event took place. This is where it starts getting good. Ahaziah died without any sons old enough to succeed him, at which point Athaliah sought to slay all the potential heirs to the throne and claim it for herself. Mercifully, however, Ahaziah's sister managed to spare Ahaziah's youngest son, Joash, and hide him away, protected by a Gentile guard until he was old enough to reign. Consider then the situation. We have a foreign ruler in charge of Israel, an illegitimate king of the Jews, a newborn child who's a threat to the ruler's authority, an attempt to extinguish the line of promise, and a member of royal family who's hidden the child away in a foreign environment. Ring any bells? It should do. It's another Exodus event. So let's look at Exodus. Exodus one. In two in those chapters, Pharaoh subjugates the Israelites, and then Moses is born. But in Second Kings eleven, Athaliah inherits the throne of Judah, and Joash is born. Athaliah is not a good character. Pharaoh is not a good character. But after Moses is born, Pharaoh massacres Israel's infants to limit Israel's promised fruitfulness. Then, at but if you go to Second Kings, Athaliah attempts to massacre the royal family to end that reign. But Pharaoh's daughter, for Moses, provides Moses with a nurse and hides him away until he flees to Midian. But in 2 Kings, the king's daughter provides Joash with a nurse and hides him away, guided by servants. What happened in Matthew? Herod, just like Pharaoh and Athaliah, becomes the king of the Jews, an illegitimate king. But Jesus is born. Herod seeks to massacre and does massacre Bethlehem's infants. And Joseph flees to Egypt to hide Jesus away. It's a repetition of the Exodus event. It's interesting because uh, Moses left from Egypt to go into the wilderness to be protected. Jesus actually went into Egypt to be predicted, and then Jesus later on was drawn out of Egypt, and it was a reversal of the Exodus story because under the old covenant, it was just the fact that you were an Israelite that got you salvation, and end. now it's a reversal that it's not being an Israelite by bloodline but by obedience to the gospel. Wow! So that that was really cool to me how it really pulled. Matthew by focusing and you go, well, why did he leave out the three Kings? Is that lying? No, it's just a spot of emphasis. I can say this Christmas that I spent Christmas with my brother, Jesse you might go, well, was Jesse the only one there? Well, I didn't say that. I just said I spent the Christmas with Jesse. Well, was your mom there? Yeah. Was your sister there? Yeah. Was your brother Ponch there? Yeah, he was there too, but I just felt led by whatever reason to just mention Jesse. And, That's a cool thing that was drawn out from Matthew. Another thing that I studied out about Christmas that I thought was really interesting was the shepherds. And I think you talked about this last year a little bit in the reversal. So this is Mm. our second Christmas episode, right?
1: Yep. Yep.
0: That the shepherds were a lowly esteemed people. They were. And I was researching that through some commentaries and some literature And it's true. It was interesting to hear what Aristotle said about the shepherds. Now Aristotle Aristotle was 300 years before Jesus, but he said they were the laziest group of people, that the animals they watch aren't even active, and it's really pretty much a low life to be a shepherd. Egyptians saw it as one of the lowest esteemed occupations you could ever have. But in some of the commentaries I was looking at about Hebrew culture and biblical narrative, shepherds were not actually lowly esteemed very much. They had a decent standing. And when you read the story of the shepherds hearing the announcement of the angels that Jesus is to be born, and then the shepherds go and share the word, it says that the people around were amazed at the things they heard. Not from the shepherds, just that it was amazing things that were announced and that these shepherds were not just shepherds. They were actually priests. Wow. The reason being is in the Mishnah, which is rabbinical writing that was written around that time period, near the time that Jesus was born around, because it was in the spring, that's when the Passover was, shepherds that were just shepherds by career were not allowed within the city limits. Now, where these fields were, since Bethlehem was close to Jerusalem, would have been inside the city limits. And these fields were reserved for priestly shepherds to raise up sheep for sacrifice.
1: Hmm.
0: So actually shepherds were the most qualified to recognize spotless lambs. That's awesome. Because they spent their whole time protecting lambs to make sure they were spotless so they could be used in sacrifice.
1: Wow. That's way cool.
0: Isn't that wild? That's crazy. So God went to them because they were the ones who would recognize Jesus. And then that makes you wonder, like, wow, Jesus wasn't born in an inn. Well, Jesus was a child, but also he was a lamb. So it yeah. makes complete sense that he would be born in a place where animals were. Awesome. It's
1: pretty cool. That's way cool. I'm I'm eyeing the uh, thing here. I just want to make sure that we don't run out of battery.
0: That's a quick little Christmas tree. I know you're busy. I know that was kind of quick, but I encourage you. There's so much in the word. I didn't know a lot of the differences between Matthew and Luke. And sometimes people hear those differences and they can take it as a jab to, man, Christianity isn't real. Or look at the variation. They should be exactly the same. But do the research for yourself. We were just talking about this. So often we try to see what the Christmas story means to us and the Bible means to us, but often we find the best benefit from the word of God when we found, find out what it meant for those that it was written for in the original context. Yeah, And God brings us into a bigger picture and then we find application for our lives, but don't jump over the context. Don't jump yeah. over what was really going on. And to be honest, that takes work. Mm -hmm. because none of us are that keen to what was going on in the first century.
1: Right. I'm not.
0: Well, I'm not. I can't say none of us. (laughs) I don't know who's listening to this podcast.
1: That's that's good. Um, Yeah, we were talking about it before the podcast. You know, the Bible is written for you, but it's not necessarily written to you. And once you take the time to figure out what he was trying to convey to the people it was originally written to, it'll mean a lot more when you apply it to your life. Yeah. So, yeah, Christmas.
0: Christmas. Wow,
1: well, I guess we should just um, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Yeah. I think this will drop right before Christmas.
0: It'll drop on the 18th. Yep. Yesterday was Pastor Mark's birthday. Wow. Happy belated birthday, Pastor Mark. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> uh you know what? Probably not. An easy thing, especially growing up, having your birthday the week of Christmas.
1: Yeah, and some families, maybe you get double presents, but I think a lot of families are just like, "Nah, we're going to combine them. You just get one gift. It's your Christmas gift and it's your birthday gift.
0: Speaking of being selfish, I'm just going to talk about this. Don't critique my character, but I always really appreciated having a July birthday because then you get a mid-year present and then it's just always like halfway. December, you get presents, and then July, you get presents. You get good enough presents, it'll keep you till you get another (laughs) present. Even if you get double presents the week of Christmas.
1: You still got to wait forever. You got to wait
0: 11 months, 12 months. Yeah, that is kind of nice,
1: July birthday.
0: For all of you who have July birthdays, send me a message. If you have my phone number, do it that way. If you don't, I may or may not give it to you, so don't (laughs) ask for it. But you can find me on social media. You can send me a Facebook Messenger message. Did you appreciate having that mid-year present?
1: Mine's in April, so it's not completely mid, but I totally understand what you're getting at here.
0: His presence is Is our. our present. (laughs) <laughs> it's good it's okay. cheesy but it's good hey we have some other things we got to do i'm okay with it being quick
1: yeah well, yeah about 20 minutes that's, that's, that's fine
0: pretty. yeah why don't you pray this yeah. out of this podcast right, let's brother. pray father god whoa, whoa, take,
1: whoa. oh sorry
0: can we take a takeaway one takeaway
1: um yes um i think well just a key takeaway well kind of what you were even saying is that when we're like why don't these stories line up why is this different you read them both in context and you actually study them out, the story becomes way more rich. You pointed at me. Yeah, that's good what you're saying. So um, even just even what we were saying about the Bible being written for you, but not necessarily to you. So figure out who it was written to get the full context and then ask yourself, how does this apply to me? Let me say this too. You talked about this in one of your amazing teachings that you've given
0: us, but richness has to do about distinguishing factors. Yes. Yes, I can taste the chocolate. It's rich. Now, Luke, since he emphasizes the Magi, when you read that Christmas story in Luke, the richness of what he Mm. emphasizes comes out because they aren't exactly the same. They don't contradict each other. There's certain aspects that cut Sharper that hit deeper yep. because of their richness. That's good. That's our joint wisdom of the day. Man. Joint
1: wisdom of the day. <laughs> Glory okay, to you God. Okay, you want me to pray? Yes. All right, Father God, we thank you for Jesus, and we're thankful in this Christmas season that we um, are saved and that we have eternal. <laughs> sorry, we have eternal life with you, Lord. I mean, Christmas is. A lot of things we want to celebrate at Christmas, but let us not forget the main thing. Jesus came to the earth and he redeemed mankind. That's so awesome. So Father God, I just pray that we would take the time during this Christmas week to slow down and really just understand, appreciate value, and thank you for what you've done for us, Jesus. We're so thankful that you came to the earth. You lived among us and you saved us. We're just so thankful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's a fun prayer. Joy to the world. There was yeah. a lot
0: of joy in that prayer that you had there.
1: Yeah. Merry heart. Peace to the, on good, earth. Good will towards men.
0: Amen. That's it. Glory. We'll be back. I was going to say next year, but this actually the next episode is going to drop before yeah. next yep. year. Yep. So we'll see you next week on the Son and Going Podcast with J and J.